Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Wow, what a busy day. Lots going on, lots for us to cover and talk about, and we have people all lined up to uh, talk about some of the things going on in the news today. And, of course, some of those items include the uh, tariffs announced on uh, China and already, as expected, as feared, talk of retaliation by China, and it looks like it's going to be pork And we're going to get reaction from the national pork producers a little bit later on in today's program. Of course, we have the omnibus uh, spending bill as well. A lot in there for agriculture. We're going to talk about that with Dale Moore with the American Farm Bureau Federation here in just a moment. And we're also going to uh, talk with Chuck Connor with the uh, National Council of Farmer Cooperatives because there is the fix. The 199A fix is in there in the budget spending, too. And uh, we want to find out the very latest on that. And also on today's program, we're going to learn about efforts by the National Corn Growers Association uh, to uh, expand more into the aquaculture market and work with that industry. So, wow, a lot going on indeed. So uh, we're going to get right into it here and uh, start it off with our friend Dale Moore from the American Farm Bureau Federation. He's Vice President Public Affairs for AFBF. Dale, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity to visit. Uh, you know, you know how it is in Washington. You know, trying to figure out what are we going to talk about on Friday. And between uh, the last 24 hours, uh, I'm not sure you've got enough hours in this day to cover everything that's going on. Wow, it is. It's it's crazy. So much going on, and all everything seems to happen at once. Uh, on the spending bill, and that's what I wanted to talk with you about because there's a lot in there for agriculture. But now we're getting word that the president may actually veto the uh, omnibus spending bill. Well. <clears throat> I'm going to leave that particular consideration to the president. I can tell you that Congress has done a lot of, uh, you know, frankly, pretty amazing work, given where things uh, stood or or where we feared they didn't stand uh, when we started this week out. But we've got improvements uh, in the bill that uh, address some of the issues on the the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act, or CERCLA, uh, as we tend to speak here in Washington, that's one that's going to help a lot of our, our farmers and ranchers, particularly our livestock producers, on some of the reporting requirements that they've got to deal with. Uh, we saw some progress with Congress adding to the, the extension uh, on the animal transport, particularly with the electronic logging device regulations. That was uh, a win, you know, in the sense that we don't yet have a final, and we've got still got Secretary Purdue and Secretary Chow at Transportation working together on that front. Uh, certainly some things to address some of the wildfires, and I know you covered those closely over the last year and how that's kind of impacting. But we also, you know, seen some, some improvements uh, that we hope, uh, you know, the ARC pilot program that uh, gives USDA some additional money. Our, our newly installed undersecretary, Bill Northey, hopefully we'll be able to take that, that money and, and address some of these inconsistencies that uh, producers from county to county have experienced. Uh, certainly some issues on, on rural broadband so that uh, folks, uh, even where they might not be able to pick up your station off the airwaves, they can pick it up off the Internet. And, you know, those kind of things are important. So really a lot in this bill for agriculture, as we said, and uh, some of the things that uh, agriculture has been working on for some time. Well, we've been working on for some time, and, and uh, you, I know you mentioned you said you're going to have uh, Chuck Connor on later today and that's one of the things that i'm sure he can fill you in on on the the agreement that was reached to address the the concerns that some folks had on the section 199 provisions uh, a lot of hard work that uh he and and others on the private sector side but certainly some of our friends on capitol hill both in the house and senate uh did a lot of work uh, to get that done not only to get an agreement reached but get it done in time for uh, uh congress to be able to include it in this latest omnibus so we wait and see if the president vetoes it or not. And, of course, if he vetoes it, is there, will there be enough votes to override the veto? So we'll see how all that plays out. But uh, this is what we know now as far as what is in there when it comes to agriculture. We're talking with Dale Moore, Vice President, Public Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dale, I want to talk to you. And we're going to later in the program, we're going to have more conversation about the Farm Bill. 
but it looks like Chairman Conaway on the House side and the House Ag Committee, he's going to go ahead and, and push uh, forward, even though there's still uh, a big difference between Republicans and Democrats on food stamps and the nutrition title. Well, we've been hearing a lot about the discussion that Chairman Conaway and, and Ranking Member uh, Colin Peterson have been having uh, both at the leadership level, but certainly on, on both sides of, of the committee. Uh, again, I, I, I'm hard-pressed to tell you what the differences might be and in, in where their concerns uh, on either side lie. I know they've been working uh, to get that resolved so that the House Ag Committee, uh, more especially so that Chairman Conaway can keep on track with his desire to get uh, sort of the formal process of writing the new farm bill underway. And we've heard, uh, too, from uh, Chairman Roberts and Ranking Member Stabenow on the Senate Ag Committee that uh, they, too, when we get back from this Easter break, uh, we're likely to see uh, action in that committee uh, starting up fairly quickly as well. So we continue to hold out hope uh, that that our, our leadership, our proven leadership in both committees are going to get these farm bills rolling Uh, Get us a good farm bill, and uh, good Lord willing, we'll get it done on time. Then on top of everything else, we have the tariffs on China and retaliation. Now we're hearing it looks like pork. We're going to talk with the National Pork Producers Council a little bit later on. But it's always, uh, wow, it's a slippery slope. It's scary when you get into these uh, trade wars and tariffs and retaliation. Agriculture usually does not fare well in these. Well, this is one where, and, and frankly, I, I have to admit, uh, if I sound smart on this, it's because I'm stealing my boss's talking points. Uh, you know, President Duvall uh, just today is making the comment that, uh, you know, we've got America's farmers and ranchers, you know, export more than $21 billion worth of farm products to China. And uh, in, in more than 20% of our production, you know, in this country is, you know, destined for export. So our farmers and ranchers really depend on trade to kind of help, you know, what you know quite well because you follow it closely. Uh, This, you know, over the last five years, uh, the the tumble dropped off over 50%. So when these issues pop up, and and I'm not for a minute going to try and, and, and argue or even try to understand completely what's going on with steel and aluminum, what's going on with intellectual property or any of these other industry sectors, what we know and what you've just mentioned is we've seen China already start uh, to make it clear they intend to retaliate. They've talked about uh, U.S. pork and wine and fruit. We know that earlier this year there were some uh, actions they took against uh, grain sorghum uh, when uh, talk started rolling up about uh, washing machines and solar panel uh, actions the U.S. was imposing on China and elsewhere. So this latest go-round is something that, again, has, has our concerns very high has us trying to make sure that not only the executive branch but that the congressional folks clearly understand how important trade is to agriculture but especially how how i don't know vulnerable we feel at times when it seems that the countries you know if they're upset on steel and aluminum or they're upset on uh, intellectual property actions uh, tend to take it out on agriculture and that's one of the things we got to make sure that folks understand you know, this this could send some waves through the agricultural economy. I think vulnerable is a good word. That's the way agriculture feels right now, caught up in this. Dale, good to talk with you again. We'll have you on again soon. Great to talk with you, Mike, and you know where to find us. All right. Dale Moore, Vice President of Public Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So lots going on. Uh, part of that omnibus spending bill, if it goes through, if the president signs it, uh, will include the 199A fix. We're going to talk with Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, about that next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, That's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center. 
where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. One of the things I noticed right off after the, the news of the tariffs and the retaliation is it seems like the only time agriculture gets in the mainstream media in this country is if there's a problem. And sure enough, I was lis- listening to newscasts yesterday on some of the networks, and yeah, they were talking about agriculture and the potential uh, harm uh, to whether it be pork or soy or whatever it may be. So it seems like the only time they take uh, notice of agriculture unfortunately is when there's a problem and that we're dealing with the problem certainly there now and we'll get more on that a little bit later on hopefully a problem that is getting fixed in this omnibus spending bill is the 199a tax situation chuck connor's with us president and ceo of the national council of farmer cooperatives chuck thanks for joining us so the fix is in but in this in this case it's a good thing right to get this problem that we've talked so much about actually resolved if the spending bill gets signed that's right, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on again. And um, this omnibus bill does uh, contain a fix to the uh, 199 deduction, uh, a fix that I, I believe is uh, sustainable over a long period of time for American agriculture. Uh, we need some stability, obviously, during these kind of times. And, and I don't think the old deduction, which was the 20% gross uh, deduction off of your co-op uh, gross income, that was not going to be a long-term sustainable sort of deduction, and there was going to be a lot of uncertainty around that. This new plan, I think, is uh, uh, good for everybody involved. It's good for co-ops. It's good for privates. It's good for farmers. Um, uh, we were we were happy to support it, and uh, it's uh, uh, well advised during these uncertain times to lay down something that I think will will sustain agriculture for a very long period of time. Now there was uh, some opposition, some resistance. Uh, Democrats were wanting to use this to try to get some other things that they wanted uh, in the tax bill, some changes. How did that all get resolved? Well, there there were a lot of uh, competing interests. You know, when you uh, rely upon these omnibus uh, spending bills to solve legislative problems, that, that there's always a high risk associated with that, because generally they're the last sort of train leaving the station, and any member who has a a project or an issue that needs to be resolved in some way this is um, this is their one chance to really get that done so uh, we you know in addition to our tax problems we had to work through a lot of other details uh, with other members and and the good news is we were able to to do all that and and get this thing done uh, I think in a way that is fair to everybody involved uh, despite again some of the, the dif- difficulties we had with the um, other members trying to include uh, various things in the omnibus bill. This was an important fix. So if this goes through, for farmers out there selling, does this get us back to where we were before all this came up? Yeah, we believe uh, the the final resolution really sort of puts the uh, 199 deduction and the relationship between farmer and co-op back to where it was in 2017. And, uh, you know, this was what we desired from the get-go. We, we liked our old deduction. We liked the flexibility that uh, the co-op had to either keep it and, you know, use it for capital improvements or pass it through to the farmer so that they could uh, better manage their tax situation. It was a good deduction. 
um, and and for all practical purposes, that deduction has been now restored and will operate as it did in 2017. Just so things uh, we don't get too overconfident and think things are running too smoothly, now the latest wrinkle uh, is that uh, the president may actually veto this bill. So we're waiting to see what he does with that. Yeah. Um, you know, the administration has sent up a, a statement of administration policy in support of the omnibus. Um, so that is a little contrary to what the president was tweeting this morning. I, I feel fairly confident that this bill is going to get signed today, and we're not going to go into a government shutdown mode, but, you know, at midnight tonight. Um, you know, there's a lot of important provisions in this bill, including our uh, farmer tax uh, uh, issue. And so I, I, I feel fairly confident that this is all going to be over by the end of the day, Mike. Yeah, as we just talked about with uh, Dale Moore with Farm Bureau, there's a lot in this for agriculture, not only uh, uh, the uh, 199A fix, but as we talked about, money for broadband and also the the livestock emissions reporting and things like that. Uh, a lot of things that are important to agriculture is in here. So we'll keep a close watch and see uh, what the president does. But uh, it sounds like you feel f fairly confident uh you know, there's not going to risk the government shutdown over some of these uh, differences he may have in the bill. Well, I don't think so, Mike. You know, these are uncertain times, and so I, do, I don't say this with any um, sort of heavy hand of uh, predictability here, but uh, I, I, I do feel fairly confident that uh, the president is going to sign this thing sometime throughout the day, and, and we will avoid the shutdown at midnight. Um, I can always be proven wrong, and I am many times. Again, these are just very, very uncertain political times, but yeah. I, I think we're going to get this done today. Yeah, that's right. It's it's hard to make predictions right now of what's going to happen for, with any without with too much certainty because we know how these things change so quickly, as you said, in this political climate. We're talking with Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Chuck, you have been in and around Washington, D.C. for many, many years in various capacities. Uh, here we are dealing with a uh, tariff situation and retaliation already being talked about by China. Looks like pork and perhaps other products. Uh, I made the comment earlier that history has, has shown that when we get into trade wars and with tariffs and retaliations, agriculture usually does not fare very well in those situations. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that, Mike. I can't think of an example where we haven't gotten into a circumstance where there's retaliation against the U.S., and, and that retaliation didn't involve farm products. I mean, it, it's, it's, like, uh, it's as predictable as the morning sunrise. Um, that, that is how they're going to retaliate. You know, that's what the Mexicans did when we got in a tussle with them over trucking issues. I mean, it's, it's, it's just what happens. And uh, you know, it just provides, again, a, you know, as, as if farmers need more uncertainty out there. This just creates instability. Um, I, you know, I just, I hope uh, this thing gets resolved in a way that uh, is uh, amicable to all parties involved. Because, again, if we get into retaliation, history and uh, modern times uh, both aligned here, that uh, is going to, to hurt our agricultural exports. And that's the last thing we need right now. I mean, we've had a little bit of price strength in the grain sector here of late, and, uh, you know, that's that's been okay. It's not great, but it's it's certainly been better. And, and, you know, you go messing with our soybean and soybean meal exports and these kind of things, and, and you know, those little bit of price rallies that give us some hope for 2018 are going to disappear, and, and uh, that, that just is not good. And, Chuck, what we've also seen is even when these things finally get resolved, there is a residual effect. Pick up where you were before it started. No, no, that's exactly right. And our customers go look for alternative supplies just, again, to, to help stabilize uh, their own uncertainties. Uh, you know, people do not want uncertainties when it comes to their food supply. Um, so this is, you know, this, this is just the, the consequences here are uh, enormous. And, uh, you know, we just continue to hope and pray that uh, these issues get worked out in a way, um, not taking any way, you know, anything away from what the president is trying to do here, but uh, <clears throat> at the same time, the consequences for agriculture are enormous and, uh, as you described, uh, Mike, uh, long-lived. And, and I admit, you know, 
I'm looking at it, we're looking at it, Chuck, through the, uh, the lens of agriculture. And there are other aspects to this, you know, the intellectual property and things like this. And there are no doubt there are those who are happy to see a move like this made with, with tariffs and think it's long overdue. But uh, when we look at what this does to agriculture at such a critical time with the down ag economy, and I keep coming back to this farm belt versus rust belt situation, uh, this is what uh, many have been concerned about since the election. How do you help that rust belt segment without uh, doing damage to the farm belt, to the agriculture sector? And, you know, uh, this tends to take us closer to what we were feared, that uh, we would agriculture might, uh, you know, be uh, on the receiving end of, of the, the negative part of this, uh, on the retaliation side. And it, it seems that's where we're, where we're headed. Well, that, that is certainly a possibility, Mike. I, you know, I, again, continue to hope for cooler minds to prevail here. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of mutual interest here with our trading partners and with China in particular. Um, obviously, the Chinese need our market very, very badly. Uh, the Chinese need our agricultural goods very, very badly. But, uh, you know, that's, that's not to say when you get into these uh, difficult trade uh, confrontations that uh, um, you know, we, we, we just need diplomacy and cooler heads to prevail here because uh, both, both sides have tremendous amount at stake. And uh, uh, ultimately, the, the, you know, the real consequence here at home goes to American agriculture, and we can just ill afford it at this particular time. All right, Chuck. Well, these are interesting times, that's for sure. Not always uh, the most enjoyable times with the issues uh, with what's at stake, but at least interesting and plenty for us to uh, keep a close watch on, and as we will with this omnibus bill and the 199A fix. Thanks for the update. We appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Mike, for having me on. Take care. Take You too. Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. So no doubt uh, the big news today uh, the president signing off on the China tariffs and uh, the fears of retaliation. We're hearing about uh, pork. Uh, China putting out some pretty strong uh, words about uh, what they're going to do. They're not going to take this lightly, obviously. So we'll get some reaction from the National Pork Producers Council. That's coming up next, how they're reacting to this, uh, with pork being already mentioned as a, a target for Chinese retaliation. We're going to talk with the National Pork Producers Council, and then want to get the latest on the farm bill and what we're hearing from House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway about pushing ahead, even though there's no deal with the Democrats on uh, the nutrition program. Uh, Ranking Member Peterson and the Democrats uh, holding firm on this. Uh, so what are the prospects of getting it done and what's happening over on the Senate side as well? So much going on in the news today. We'll try to keep you up to date as best we can right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures sliding in early activity on this Friday. China's Commerce Ministry saying it would levy tariffs on about $3 billion worth of U.S. goods, including agricultural products like pork and fruit. Crops like soybeans and sorghum not on the list, but traders are concerned they could be next if the tensions continue to rise 
an hour into the trading day. Soybean futures nine to nearly 15 cents lower with May at 10.15 and a quarter, down 14 and a fraction. In corn, three to four and a fraction lower, May down four and a quarter, 371 and three quarters. New crop December at 394, that is down four. Wheat futures backpedaling in Chicago and in Kansas City. Four and a fraction lower in Chicago. Kansas City, one to two lower. But in Minneapolis spring wheat, we see bids and asking prices two to three and a fraction higher. For livestock at the Merck, hog futures tumbling. We're off the worst levels of the day, but still April lean hogs down 90 cents at 60.42. Again, China firing that retaliatory shot against the U.S., announcing planned tariffs against American goods, saying it could ready more actions if needed. Live cattle futures, $1.22 to $1.97 lower and $1.25 to $1.95 lower in feeder cattle futures as well. Outside markets, U.S. stocks opened higher even after markets in Europe and Asia sold off amid the escalating trade tensions. On Wall Street, the Dow up 43, NASDAQ down 15, S&P up a fraction. Crude oil in New York up 82 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. Well, obviously the big news, the uh, tariffs and retaliation by China, pork included. Joining us now, Jim Monroe, Senior Communications Director for the National Pork Producers Council. Jim, thanks for joining us. So what is the official response from MPPC? Well, we're very concerned. Exports are the lifeblood of the U.S. pork industry. And the Chinese market is a is a major market for U.S. pork. Uh, we it's the it's the number two market uh, for exports in terms of volume, number three in terms of value. And so uh, we're very concerned. Um, U.S. pork has been a huge beneficiary of free trade. Uh, exports are where most of our growth is going to come from. So we're going to continue to push for. Um, not only maintaining existing export opportunities, but expanding them. Do we have any details on uh, what the the retaliation might look like? Uh, Any specifics yet on this? Well, I think that last night, obviously, there was a, a, uh, I think you know, an announcement from China, and Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. pork was put on a list of uh, uh, U.S. products that would be hit with a 25% tariff. Now, that, that hasn't been implemented, and I think it's, it's premature to start speculating on the impact of that since it has not uh, been put in place. But that's, that's what uh, China is threatening to do in response to uh, U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods. So uh, we'll see how that evolves. Can give us an idea, Jim, for people listening, what this would mean to the U.S. pork industry if that goes into place if that if China follows through on that well we shipped uh, over a billion dollars of pork to China last year agriculture overall shipped 20 billion dollars of, of uh, product to, to China so it, it would be a significant hit to the bottom line of US pork producers and for other agriculture products impacted um, I think it would be a, a, a hit as well 
so again, I you know I don't want to get into the specifics of um, tariffs that have not been formally adopted, but uh, it, it you know we're in we're in expansion mode in the U.S. pork industry, as you probably know, Mike. We're we've we've uh, five new pork plants have either recently been opened or will soon open, and we need exports to uh, account for that that increasing capacity in the industry. We have uh, the most competitive product in the world. U.S. pork uh, is the safest, it's the highest quality, it's the most affordable pork in the world. It's in high demand outside of the U.S., and we want to be able to capitalize on that opportunity. When we can compete on a level playing field, U.S. pork always wins. Again, when we talk about level playing field, if there are tariffs on U.S. pork, that obviously... uh puts us at a disadvantage with our competitors into that key market of China. Absolutely. Now, when we look at uh, how these things play out, uh, we, you know, it doesn't happen immediately, as you said. They're just talking about it. Uh, and it doesn't mean they, they wouldn't still buy from the U.S., but it's hard to imagine that if, they, if those tariffs are on there, it's hard to imagine them buying at the same level they are now because of the increased cost. Yeah. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate too much, but um, you know, prices in China are are already uh, pretty low. So I think it would you know uh, uh, it would serve their purposes to to you know curtail uh, um, imports of U.S. pork in some ways. So we'll just have to keep an eye on it. It's a very fluid situation, certainly, but a lot of concern about the potential of what this could be, uh, in this case for U.S. pork, but certainly other areas of U.S. agriculture as well. Well, Jim, thanks for jumping on with us. We appreciate it, and we'll stay in touch as, as this uh, plays out, okay? Thanks for having me, Mike. All right. Jim Monroe, Senior Communications Director for the National Pork Producers Council. So obviously lots of concerns there, uh, but concerns in other segments of agriculture as well. We're just uh, this kind of the tip of the iceberg, if you will. All right, let's bring in the senior editor for AgriPulse, Philip Brasher. He joins us now. And Philip, uh, have you got anything to cover right now? You got anything to, t- to write about? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been wild. And, uh, it's going to be a ride from, uh, for the rest of this year, it looks like. Well, I wanted to talk with you before all this broke with the tariffs and the retaliation. I originally got in touch with you. I wanted to talk about Farm Bill because we had some interesting uh, action here in the last day or so with the chairman of the House Ag Committee, Mike Conaway, saying he's going to go ahead and push ahead with the Farm Bill, even though they don't have an agreement yet with Democrats over the nutrition title. Yeah, and it doesn't look like they're going to have one. You know, uh, you, uh, you got this. You got this going actually a couple of weeks ago with your interview with uh, with Peterson, uh, where you said the uh, Democrats were on, were in revolt uh, after that meeting Wednesday night meeting they had uh, uh, briefing by uh, by Conaway and uh, uh, they, the Democrats on the committee are clearly dug in. Yeah, it sounds like they're not budging, and uh, it's hard to imagine. Then how do you how do you push through that? Now, what are you hearing on the on the Senate side on this same issue? Is it different on the Senate side? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we had our Ag and Policy Summit this week on Wednesday, and we had both uh, Chairman Roberts and you know Ranking Member Stadenow, and and they were both on the very much on the same page, saying they're going to do a bipartisan bill. Roberts said they wanted to get at least. 70 votes, so they'd be in the strongest possible position going into negotiations with the House. And, um, uh, you know, and, and these, uh, these cuts are uh, in, in nutrition are just off the table. The only thing Chairman Roberts has talked about is uh, wanting to address uh, some issues of fraud with, uh, uh, with how states have been reporting uh, or in some cases manipulating their, their error rates. That is really the only thing, the thing that he has talked about uh, as a priority to address, and that's, you know, that's that's not going to be a particularly partisan issue. Philip, what are you hearing about the chances of getting a farm bill done this year, or the likelihood it moves all the way into next year? I think the chances of it moving into of moving on to next year are growing by the day. Um, 
past, Colin Peterson, who's you know, ranking Democrat on House Ag, he's got some experience in writing farm bills from the 2008 bill about this yesterday, and he said, you know, basically, this bill is on life support. Uh, if I were a betting man, I would bet on bet on an extension. It's just you've got, you know, the, the calendar. They really Congress is going to shut down after July until the election. It, Except that they've got another budget deadline coming up at the end of September. That's going to suck up all the oxygen. There just isn't much time left this year, although it, you know, it's only March. And, you know, a normal person thinks there's a lot of time left. It really isn't. And uh, for, for Congress, and this has just so become so partisan over the over in the House. And Democrats on the committee. Uh, Peterson admits that some of them, and, you know, and some of them have been public about it. Uh, they're looking at these you know, recent election results, and they're feeling pretty good about their chances of taking control of the House uh, in November. At the very least, they're going to have a, a bigger minority, and they can shape. They're, they're going to have uh, a chance to shape this bill differently next year if it doesn't get done this year. So they may not be in any big hurry because of that. I tell you, Colin Peterson, I, I know you have, have, know this as well, but I've always found he has a pretty good read on how things are going to go with the farm bill. And um, usually his insights are pretty accurate on, on, on predicting where, where the thing's going to go. And if he's not on board, that's sure going to make it pretty difficult for them to get anything done. Yeah, you also just have to look at history. If you go back to when the last – farm bills have passed. They've all passed in election years, it's true. I mean, they've all been enacted in election years. Uh, in the spring, typically, the last time, uh, 2014 bill was actually signed in, in February. But the reason they were signed in the, they were signed in the election year, but, they're, but uh, they were moving through Congress uh, the year before that. And it takes, it just takes a lot of time to do the get them through the floor, and then they're negotiated. It takes weeks and weeks. And they're, you know, even though they're not really major changes to the commodity program, uh, there's some big differences over conservation and what should be major programs uh, between the House and the Senate and within the Senate. And um, I, there are a number of other issues that have to that are going to have to be negotiated, and that all just takes time. Yeah, you know, no matter how early they start on a farm bill, and no matter how many times they talk about getting one done early, it always comes down to this. You get down to a time crunch and big issues still to resolve, and they've got a lot of work still to do. Now, that doesn't mean they can't pull it all together, but it just shows how much there is still to do. Philip, as always, good to right. talk with you, and uh, we'll talk again. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about moving forward because these issues are going to be around for a while. Thanks a lot. Yeah, they will be. Okay, thanks, Mike. Take cares. Philip Brasher, senior editor for AgriPulse. Yeah, it, it's, well, the farm bill got a lot of challenges, and a lot's already happened since Colin Peterson told us right here on AOA, really kind of broke the news, that there was an impasse between Republicans and Democrats on the the nutrition title. And, boy, that is uh, that has, that impasse seems to have grown even wider uh, the gap there between the two since he told us that a few days ago. So it really creates a huge hurdle for them to get the uh, the House Ag Committee to pass a uh, farm bill. So we'll see what happens there. And again, thanks with, to Jim Monroe with the National Pork Producers Council for joining us early earlier with the reaction to the uh, Chinese retaliation threats on pork. Obviously, there's not a lot he can say yet. He doesn't want to speculate too much. Uh, nothing's final yet, but obviously great concern there. Wow catch our breath come back when we'll talk about aquaculture and the possibilities for corn growers there that's next on AOA Adams on agriculture if you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. 
The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen... This beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, welcome back. We talk a lot about the importance of uh, export markets to agriculture, and that's why these issues like uh, tariffs and retaliation and NAFTA and these other trade deals are so important to U.S. agriculture. Well, 
It also makes it even more important to develop every market you can. And a market that the, the corn growers have been working on and looking at getting more involved in, that's the aquaculture industry. You know, most of the seafood for this country gets imported from other places. But uh, a lot of efforts to try to grow and expand uh, the aquaculture industry. What does that mean? What, what does that open up for corn growers to, to be uh, more involved there? We're going to talk about that now with Bruce Peterson. He's a farmer from Northfield, Minnesota, and is chair of the National Corn Growers Association Feed, Food, and Industrial Action Team. And Bruce, thank you for joining us. Uh, how's your weather in Northfield, Minnesota? Uh, it's, well, it's clear today, but uh, we'll see how much we got the snow on the way. It sounds like maybe anywhere from 2 to 10 inches. They're not, uh, it looks like heavier to the west. So spring is spring is uh, taking its time getting here, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of places that way as well. It looks like it's going to be a, a kind of a, a delayed spring here for a lot of places. Well, Bruce, let's talk about aquaculture. Um you know, over the years, working with the soybean folks, uh, they've certainly done a lot of work in this area. Uh, tell us about the uh, efforts by the corn growers uh, to work with the aquaculture industry. Well, this is this is kind of a new one. I mean, typically we're uh, you know we're working with all all livestock and uh, you know your more traditional beef beef and hogs and and uh, you know the poultry industries, but the uh, the aquaculture is a new one, but part of that is the, as an industry as a whole, they're trying to move away from uh, fish meal as being their primary source and moving more to plant-based ingredients. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, that's included soybean meal, but we're also a new one that, that hasn't been uh, tried a whole lot is either corn or DVGs in those diets, and that's uh, something that, uh, you know, is more... Uh, is being feeding trials uh, done the last few years and see if that isn't a new new uh, you know demand that we can build for corn that's interesting I must admit I had not thought about feeding DDGs to fish but uh, what, what what kind of potential here are you are you getting any results from these feeding trials yet or is it too early well it's fairly early you know the you know part of it is you no know, wheat is another another ingredient that's been used but I think there's I think there's some good potential, especially in the upper Midwest, where um, we have a little less uh, mycotoxins in the corn, which uh, can be, what I've heard is that can be detrimental to, you know, not just fish, but also shrimp. So there, you know, there's companies popping up in the Midwest that are growing, uh, you know, growing shrimp indoors in heated tanks. And uh, so it, but it, you know, it lends to the ability of your, you know, you're in kind of batches where you can run feeding trials so there's i know there's some underway that's actually minnesota corn is that's uh, helping to fund us some trials in in minnesota with companies we'll know more about that uh you know here over the next year or so but certainly there's as you mentioned we import a lot of our seafood at this point so there's there's tremendous growth i think potential in this country to grow more of that here and uh, you know, can we can we uh, you know supply some of those feed ingredients as either corn or DDGs? That's what we're hoping to do because we need to uh, need to build all the demand we can. You mentioned <laughs> at the start we're dealing with uh, you know we've got a lot of news about uh, potential trade tariffs here uh, overnight, and uh, you know the the NAFTA. So there's there's just a number of things, but. So through all that, we need to we need to continue to build demand for corn because we continue to it seems like the American farmer has a tremendous ability to to continue to grow more corn and grow higher yields. So we're talking with Minnesota farmer Bruce Peterson. He chairs National Corn Growers uh, Feed, Food, and Industrial Action Team. Uh, Bruce, I know you're working on a lot of different. Uh, partnerships and different things working with the livestock industry and trying to find new uses uh, anything else you can tell us about uh, that has potential such as aquaculture well the probably the other the other big item we're working on is is uh, can we build can we build new uses uh, bio uses for corn uh, you know can we make corn into plastic can we make corn into tires uh, 
flavoring fragrances, there's a number of companies that have been working on on that type of thing. And what we're what we've done is we've met with a number of these companies that are that are getting close, fairly close to commercialization on these products, and try to stress that uh, first of all we want you to build. Uh, you know, scale up your your production in the U.S. and we're also trying to, uh, you know, tell the story that corn is is uh, it's a steady supply of corn and stable price, certainly ample supply, and that also that that uh, our sustainability is, is we've got a good story to tell there. So we've met with a number of these companies trying to sell them on on the good news of corn and that uh, you know we'd love love to, uh, you know, build more uses for corn through the bioeconomy in the years to come. Well, it takes time to uh, do the research and have the trials and build relationships, but uh, uh, that's how it all gets started to develop a, a market. So, again, as we've pointed out, these things are have always been important, but they're more important than ever, especially how uncertain uh, trade can be and exports uh, so critical, finding uses for our ag products uh, so very important. That's why I uh, wanted to call attention to some of these efforts that you have underway. Well, Bruce, thanks a lot. Good luck with the snow and hope uh, spring gets there uh, soon. Yeah, well, it won't be soon, but it'll it'll get here eventually. Just hopefully, uh, yeah, we can get. Uh, we certainly know it won't be an early start. Everybody's kind of anticipating when the uh, shipping season might open up up here, but we're still a few weeks away on that. And uh, so, just uh, keep keep uh, preparing, get everything ready to go. So once we can. That's right. You know, we appreciate your time for being with us this morning. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bruce Peterson from Minnesota. He chairs the Feed, Food, and Industrial Action Team for the National Corn Growers Association. With that, we'll wrap it up for today and for the week. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll cover more of these topics next week, starting on Monday. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen? That's a given. Responsive nitrogen? That's amazing. That's ESN.